Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Two things, download the app, the Veritas app, share it with your friends. You'll have access to all of our station's content. Uh, we are an EWTN affiliate, so you have all EWTN programming plus our original programming. And hey, if you like what Joe and I do, you can follow us two primary locations. One is the front line with Joe and Joe on YouTube and at with Joe and Joe on Twitter. Help us out wherever you see us. So today we're going to be talking about a show, not our show, <laughs> somebody else's show, which is a great thing because we all we should have in the Catholic world anyway. Uh, Joe and I, we've said this a million times. We want to have a unified voice out there, a particularly loud voice if we can. All right. Um, we don't just say we're spreading the truth of the Catholic faith. We're actually doing it. So we're uh, pleased and honored to be joined by Dr. Michael Dauphiné. Um, and he has a show. He has a podcast out from Ave Maria University, the Catholic Theology Show. So we... See, Michael, we talk about we talk about the church here and everything else. We we don't have the PhDs on the wall in theology. Right? Uh, we know the faith. We know the faith. But uh, Joe and I, we learn as much as our audience does when we have on guests like yourself. Um, very quickly, for those of you who don't know Michael, uh, he serves as the Matthew Lamb uh, Professor of Catholic Theology at Ave Maria University in um he holds academic academic degrees from Duke uh, and the University of Notre Dame. He's co-authored with Matthew Levering, Knowing the Love of Christ, an Introduction to the Theology of Thomas Aquinas and Holy People, Holy Land, a Theological Introduction to the Bible. His newly co-authored book, Wisdom from the Word, Biblical Answers to Ten Questions About Catholicism, was published by Word on Fire Press in the summer of 2021. Uh, Michael's the author of numerous scholarly articles. He's co-edited over 10 scholarly books in the area uh, areas of Thomas Aquinas, the Bible, the renewal of Catholic theology. Um, his favorite courses are on C.S. Lewis. In October 2022, he launched a new podcast, as we said, the Catholic Theology Show, to help a wide audience discover the richness of coming to understand God um, as he has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. He is a grateful revert to the Catholic Church and has been married to his beloved wife, Nancy, for 27 years. Michael Dauphiné, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe, brother. Well, so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, it's our pleasure. So we're going to have a great conversation. Like I said, well, we're a couple of loud Italian guys from New Jersey. Um, and, you know, we're going to... 
Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna you know spread the word, so to speak. So Joe Resinello, I'm gonna hand it over to you, and we'll have a great conversation. Michael, we always start off with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a Virgin of Virgins, our Mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. Name amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Michael, before we talk about the podcast, I, I want to talk about the fact that you reverted back to the to the faith. I mean, Joe and I have had our I, I wouldn't say uh, we left the faith, you know, because when you're Italian, you're from New Jersey, you're just Catholic, eat pasta on Sunday. Uh, but that doesn't mean you necessarily know the faith or follow it or live it. Um, but you know, we definitely made a, a hard right turn in our lives. Uh, clearly it seems that you did as well. What brought you to that point? Like, uh, and when did it happen? Well, in all these things, uh, right. Our, our, our faith is such a gift of God, right? The fact that we exist is a gift of God. The fact that we, uh, have life, uh, and the fact that we've been invited to come to know him through his son, Jesus Christ, with the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? These are all gifts. Uh, and so I really have that sense that, you know, there was a time uh, when I didn't see the world as a gift. Uh, and I don't know why or what, but I know from the time I was about, you know, eight to nine years old, when I looked at the world, I thought the world was kind of chaotic, full of death, uh, full of, I don't know, I sometimes have a memory of watching National Geographic uh, episodes about Africa and the wilderness and animals. And I don't know what it was, but I had a sense that, I don't know, human beings were somehow interlopers on a wonderful world. Uh, and I don't know whether or not that was the intention of the uh, sometimes people that made the show or whether or not it was just my own the oddities of growing up in the 70s and 80s. But I somehow had that sense that just the world wasn't a very good place and that human beings weren't particularly a blessing to the world. Uh, and although I'd received baptism, I'd received first communion and first confession, uh, the faith just didn't stick into me. Uh, it didn't make sense and I didn't embrace it. Uh, I grew up and just continued to kind of distance myself from the faith. Uh, again, the faith never seemed to be that intelligent. I think I just somewhat was a happy, uh, maybe an unhappy atheist who loved to take whatever simple answer or whatever simple objection I could find and just keep it in my quiver. Uh, and it never occurred to me to ask whether or not the Christianity I was attacking was true Christianity. Right. I always just assumed that Christians were people that uh, had a kind of a silly view of life, that God was good and would just take care of everything, which seemed obviously false. So and uh, and in a strange way, I said it just, you know, I don't know, being a typical young uh, person or at least being myself, I can speak for myself. Uh, I said it didn't I didn't really investigate that very much. Eventually, through a lot of different things, uh, I had the, really the uh, heartbreaking sorrow of losing a sister when I was a teenager. Uh, and that, if I'd already rejected God with my head, I probably rejected him even more so with my heart at that point. 
But as I went on, I also uh, ended up meeting a, a woman who is now my wife in college. And uh, I began to have this discovery of maybe there was a sense of meaning and purpose in life. And maybe there was something, although I didn't believe in morality theoretically, I began to discover the experience of wanting to be moral, of wanting to be honorable, of wanting to be good. Uh, and I've often wondered about that too. I wonder why it is that sometimes we grew up in a family in which we're only alive because of our parents' love, right? Infants would never survive if parents didn't love them and children wouldn't become, wouldn't grow if their parents didn't make tremendous sacrifices for them. But at times, kind of, I don't know, put it the overwhelming reality and beauty of parental love for a variety of reasons sometimes doesn't catch our attention as young people. It's just the givenness, it's the mountains, it's the ground. We don't even like we're maybe we're appreciative of it at moments, but sometimes I think through friends and through like romantic love, all of a sudden the reality of love, the reality of the moral life somehow for me broke through. Uh, and I didn't really know what to do with it because I was a very, very committed atheist. I loved reading Marx and Nietzsche uh, and, and this kind of reductionistic, materialistic view of the world. And then I started reading because I was still investigating. I wanted to discover truth. And I began to start reading uh, Dangerous People. I started to read uh, Christian authors who tried to make sense of the world in light of their faith, uh, which isn't a very good thing, as C.S. Lewis said, for an atheist to do. Uh, because I began to discover that Christians weren't the silly people I thought they were, but they were people who recognized their utter inability to ever live well, their utter inability to ever figure things out on their own. And what they saw and what they said was that in Jesus Christ, God did for us what we could not do for ourselves, right? And so the cross, the crucifixion, the gift of the Son took a wounded and broken world and began the process of making it right. So through faith in Jesus, through discovering uh, that on the cross and all of his life and his incarnation and then in his resurrection and in his ascension— uh, he was not only beginning to fix the world, but beginning to forgive me. Uh, and then I realized that that was, in a way, the promise that Christianity offered. And for whatever reason, uh, there's a line from 1 Corinthians uh, 2 where it says, right, I has not seen nor ear heard nor, you know, uh, the mind of man conceives what God has prepared for those who love him. And in a strange way, up until that point, I'd heard Christian things, but they always just kind of annoyed me. But at that moment, something happened. You know, my heart was open, and it began to not only seem possible, but probable. And it, in a way, it gave me a more coherent view of the world than atheism did. Because if atheism was true, uh, then why was I so? Why was I so frustrated by the injustices of the world? Right. If there is no source of justice, why would I care about injustice? That was always my question. Michael Dauphiné joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. That's that was one of my questions that I would scream at the TV or the computer screen yeah. listening to, let's say, someone when he was alive, like Christopher Hitchens to say, well, what is your basis for judging something to be unjust? 
Yes. And when put to him, like just I'm using him as an example, but you know, they're all they all have kind of like that same line, whether it was him or Harris or the rest of them, when it was put to him, is like, why should I be good? Why should I act or be good? Yeah. And assuming good meaning something objective, again, on atheism, we don't even know what good means, okay? But why ought I be good? Why should there be a word called ought, okay? Um, and it was always like kind of like a dismissive, well, how dare you ask me that question? No, not how dare I ask me that question. I've asked it to atheists to their face. Tell me why I ought to act in a, in a good or moral way. And what is morality? And you never, you may use the words, Michael Dauphiné, uh, you said that Christianity made sense of the world. I can't see atheism making any sort of sense of the world. What's, so if they claim that they have a sense, sensible view of the world, no, they don't. No, they don't. It, it, it doesn't work. It's kind of very frustrating because you don't get clear answers from atheists. You, you, you really don't. Am I wrong, yeah. Michael? No, I, I think, it, well, at least from my own experience first, is just I know that I held... I held a child's, like not even an authentic child, but like a kind of a dismissive child's view of Christianity, right? My, my, my six-year-old vision of Christianity, and that was the one that I felt like I could reject. So, and I do think there are a lot of atheists. I've, I heard someone speak recently where they said, you know, I wish I could believe that there was a man in the clouds and that that he loved me and that he would take care of everything and everything would work out and I didn't have to do anything. And I thought, well, of course, I don't believe that there's a man in a cloud sitting somewhere that's going to take care of, you know, my food tonight or going to make sure that that ain't um, my God. Yeah, exactly. To make sure <laughs> that like world war God. Exactly. To make, and so I think a lot of people what what I find is they're rejecting a God that we would wholeheartedly reject as well. Um, Bishop Barron uh, sometimes says that, you know, atheists usually reject an idea of a God that's simply one of the bigger things in the universe. But the whole Christian understanding of God is that God is the source of the universe, right? He's beyond the universe, and therefore he's not one of the things in the universe. And, right, and, and, and one way of putting it, too, is that Maybe this is partly why I even, you know, find I ended up studying theology and ended up coming back to the Catholic faith, uh, is that idea that the ideas that we hold about God matter, right? Ideas matter, and we, if we hold false ideas about God, our lives are harder than they need to be, right? And 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 that for me then is, and I think that idea is one false idea about God is the idea that there is no God. I think it's just, I think it's a false view. And I also think that there are implicit within our own reasoning capabilities, within the intelligibility of the world, within experiences of beauty and goodness, there are signs within this world that there is, that somehow this world comes from something beyond this world. Absolutely. Michael Dauphiné is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. So, Michael, is, is, is your podcast available now, or is it something that you're you're doing? Yeah, so we launched future? the podcast, The Catholic Theology Show, on uh, the feast of St. John Paul the Great uh, on October 22nd in 2022. So we have All about right. now 20 episodes uh, that are on uh, in podcast format today. And, we're, and primarily, where can our audience members 
uh, where could they uh, find it? YouTube, social media? Yeah, where, so where the, right now, we we hope to have a YouTube format, but right now it's all on audio. So Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Castos, those places. All right. So everybody out there at the front line with Joe and Joe listening to us, the Catholic Theology Show. That's Michael Dauphiné, Joe Resinello. Michael, uh, Ave Maria is a very special place. We talk to a lot of uh, folks from uh, colleges that belong on the Newman list. For those who know uh, of the Newman list, it's uh, authentically Catholic universities. And we have to be careful about that because sadly, some of our universities, uh, I think, could do a better job sadly. But Ave Maria is not one of them. Um, I did, you know, a little research on the podcast itself. I, I guess you guys are going to be like talking to colleagues, friends and members of the staff at Ave Maria to talk about Catholic theology. Could you kind of just bring us uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, 30,000 foot evolution as far as how it came about and uh, where you where you see it going? Yeah, certainly. And, you know, I think it's interesting, even if I begin with the you know, the guests that we have on the show, I'd probably say about half of our guests are from within Ave Maria faculty and the, uh, either in theology or in other disciplines. Uh, but we also probably have about half of our guests that are kind of visitors to campus. And, and in that little image, I think you can see a little bit of the idea that a university is always meant to be, in a certain sense, right, for its students. Right. I think it was John Henry Newman that said, well, if there were no students, it would just be a research institution. So teaching, passing on of wisdom is always central to what a university is. But a university is never only for its students, right? And its faculty are not the only ones we want teaching our students. We want our students to become aware of and enlivened by right, a, a, a lot of scholars uh, from around the world, from around the country, in a lot of different disciplines. So just as a way of thinking about it, I think, you know, we try to have podcast uh, guests that are both within the university uh, and, and without, often people that come and speak at the school. Now, Ave Maria University, we uh, were started about 20 years ago, and uh, I actually uh, joined the university within about a year or two of its founding. And I think the idea was to try to have a university that would properly be a university. And again, as John Henry Newman, now uh, St. John Henry Newman uh, wrote, a university is really a place of learning universal knowledge. So we learn the whole truth and we begin with that idea that the whole truth then includes the truth about God. Right. And even the craziest of all truths, the truths that he has revealed. So. Uh, George Bernard Shaw, one time, he was an atheist, uh, but he was a he he quipped when he visited the United States and heard of Catholic University of America. He said, right, a Catholic university is an oxymoron. How can you be both? Catholics are dogmatics. Universities are about science. Well, that's not what we hold. What we hold is that actually, if you want to be truly scientific, then we need to seek knowledge and wisdom from the whole of reality, which includes physics and biology and even to applied disciplines such as, you know, um, say accounting or, or different elements like that. But it's also rooted in an idea that all these little all these other disciplines are looking at a reality that is bigger than us, uh, bigger than any discipline. So, so really, Ave, I was, when I joined Ave, by the way, there were about 100 students and now there are about 1,300 students. But I'd say that basic idea that truth is one, that it is knowable. 
and that the reality of that one truth is really what makes a university a university. And then secondly, that we approach that one truth because we're so you know limited in a way in our understanding, we approach that one truth through many different disciplines, each discipline highlighting another aspect, almost as if you know, you have kind of like a beautiful statue and we keep looking at it from different perspectives in order to see more about it. Michael Dauphiné, let me ask you, but it, isn't that the, the the issue here when we're talking about, um, let's say, uh, discourse in this particular area? Again, we're, we're, I know we're kind of beating up on the atheists, but that's fine. I like doing that, okay? Um, you, you talked about looking at, the, you know, the larger, the, the larger picture, but we are told that you're being a naughty, naughty college professor because you're only supposed to look at science. Now, Richard Dawkins has said this. He says, we don't need philosophy. He says, we don't need metaphysics when you have physics. Like, like, this is no. the worldview mm -hmm. that they have. And, 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 and I, I don't know whether or not they realize it, but they get very angry when you say, hold it, man. Hold it. No. The pursuit of knowledge, philosophy, is something that you need to deal with. Metaphysics, beyond the physical, okay? Those are something you need to deal with. Science is not the only means by which human beings gain knowledge, all right? And I'm glad that you brought that up. I'm glad, and this segues into my question is, why do we have to study Aquinas? Why is he so important? Mm -hmm. Or other philosophers? You mentioned Nietzsche earlier. Certainly, they like their philosophers. They reject philosophy, but they kind of dig Nietzsche. Okay, they kind of dig Marx, okay, but they don't have any time for Thomas Aquinas. Um, so talk about uh, higher education and the need to study philosophy, not just Aquinas, but you could talk about Aquinas too, Michael. Um, but, you know, not just Aquinas, but philosophy in general. You, it's, it cannot just simply be dismissed. Well, one thing that's interesting from uh, what John Henry Newman taught is he said that when we, he said a university makes up a circle of knowledge. And he says when we get rid of one part of it, like say theology or philosophy, the other disciplines will take over. So, and I think in a lot of ways you can see, at least broadly speaking, uh, this at times has happened. Uh, there's a Catholic physicist named Stephen Barr who gave a talk at Ave Maria on basically science and theology and these sorts of issues. But he said something that was very, I thought, simple and very profound. And he said this, he says, physicists are so good at looking at what's in front of our eyes that we've forgotten what lies behind our eyes, right? And this is the idea. We can look at the world, we can understand the world, and it is fabulous. The physical world, our own bodies, the complexity, these are beautiful things. But the fact that we have a mind that can perceive the universe right, that can perceive our bodies, that can understand a, a star, right? A star is a powerful, amazing thing in a way is so much larger than us. And yet a star cannot understand us, but we can understand a star. So what is that thing or that reality that is understanding a star? Well, that's what we would call, right, the human mind. What is it? that when we love another person, what is that that is loving, right? When we have beauty. So this idea of the human person as a immaterial reality. And again, because the understanding of a star 
can never be another star. The understanding of our body can never be another body. So this, I think, is the starting point. And ironically, what um, Newman said about Catholic universities, I just, anyway, I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of John Henry Newman. So, but he, but he said this too. He said that the same principle by which the universities, and he writes this is in around like say 1855. So this is a 170 years ago. But this is what he says. It's so prescient. It's so prophetic. He says the same principle by which the universities exclude theology and reveal theology and God will be the same principle by which they will exclude the human soul. And because both are immaterial, God's immaterial, but real, we're, our souls are immaterial, our mind that understands, understanding is not itself, right, a material reality. And so I think this is what happens then is then you end up with a world in which we're just always focusing on what we can see and what we can touch. And I think one of the problems with that is I would say two quick ones. One is that it lacks meaning. And I think you can see this at a lot of a lot of young people. Uh, I, I I teach. I, I read tons of stuff about young people uh, in generationally and other things. But in our country, people go to colleges of and universities of immense technical sophistication, but they don't have a reason to get out of bed tomorrow, right? Because mastering, right? You know, uh, you know, even trying it, it, you know, trying to master the universe. Uh, doesn't give you a reason for getting out of bed tomorrow. We have to find a meaning, and the meaning we find is not going to be merely material. And so secondly, the danger then is since I think we no longer really find meaning, we often then impose meaning on the world. We impose the meaning on the world, which is, okay, I have to fix all the problems of the world. Right? Instead of trusting in a way that some of the problems in the world uh, maybe one of the problem I need to uh, G.K. Chesterton uh, said wonderfully that what's the biggest problem in civilization? He said, right, I am. <laughs> one of the biggest problems that we learn in philosophy and theology is that I'm a problem. So before I go out and try to fix the world, I better try to work at fixing myself. Right. Uh, so anyway, I think those are just kind of uh, two that's observations. One of the, that's one of the themes of our show. I mean, from the beginning, I mean, we've been doing this for years is, is that, yeah, we want to try to get out there in the culture war, um, you know, uh, you know, talk about all these things, whether it be education, whether it be politics, whether it be uh, the entertainment. But if we're not at least striving to, to lead an, a, a, an objectively meaningful life, OK, a Christian life, an authentically Christian life. OK, none of it. We're all sinners. Okay, and, and we all know that, that we all fall short. That doesn't mean we don't strive to constantly yeah. make ourselves better to move towards that goal. But, it, you know, but if we're not if we're not I mean, if we're just living like practical atheists, why would anybody listen to Joe, Joe and Michael? Yeah. You know, if we're just listening to if we're just doing whatever the world does and not do anything differently. Why would we expect anybody to even give a, a, a second look? At, let's say uh christianity in general and and, and the catholic church um in particular um michael we're going to be coming up on the break uh so it's the catholic theology show okay let our audience members know again where they're going to be able to listen to that so it's available on spotify apple uh podcasts google podcasts okay so everybody out there write that down the catholic theology show we're being joined by michael dauphiné uh, and this is a great conversation. Joe, we could start a question, and then we're probably going to go to a break in about a minute and a half or so, and then we could come back. Well, I, I think I want to talk a little bit about, like, uh, 
bringing the university outside the walls of the university. Um, clearly, um, you're doing something very similar to what we're doing. You're going into the breach. Uh, that is in the catechism, actually. It says it very specifically. Baptized Catholics are to go into the breach, as in the world, to bring the truth. But it's easier said than done. Obviously, we're dealing with a culture that is rejecting the truth, even attacking it. Um, I want to talk about your approach to that. And and also, I want to hear why that is so important, particularly from a university, to bring the truths of the Catholic Church unapologetically to the world. You know, it's easy to do that amongst the echo chamber. It's a lot more difficult to bring it out, but we have to do it. And that's what you're doing. And I don't want to hear. Uh, let's come back to that after the break. Okay. Uh, so you're with the front line with Joe and Joe. Michael Dauphiné is joining us here. We're discussing his show, The Catholic Theology Show. Uh, so this is a great conversation. Make sure that uh, you download our app so that when this is available on the Veritas app, you could share it with your friends. Uh, and please keep in mind to follow Joe and Joe, Joe, and Joe um, on social media, both at, on Twitter and YouTube. So stick around. We have another great seg segment with Michael Dauphiné. We'll be right back. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello. We're way in the breach with Michael Dauphiné. We're discussing uh, his podcast, The Catholic Theology Show, that's presented by Ave Maria University. So, Joe Racinello, you said before the break something about unapologetically getting out into the breach as Catholics. Uh, if you w don't mind, Joe, just uh, succinctly repeat the question for Michael. Yeah, basically, Michael, I, I, wa I want to discuss the importance of bringing the university outside the walls, uh, engaging the culture in a fearless manner. Um, talk about that, the need for that. It reminds me a of a quip that is right. Education is wasted on the young. Um, now I don't want to, that's not completely true. And I love teaching young people and I'm very grateful that people taught me when I was young, but there is a way that sometimes when we are older is when we begin to discover that these truths I need to learn. Cause I need to learn how to live. Right. When I was younger, for instance, I remember being in maybe ninth or 10th grade and reading Homer, reading Homer's, uh, you know, uh, the Odyssey. Uh, but now when I read the Odyssey, I think about what does it mean to be faithful? What does it mean to journey home? What does it mean to make sacrifices? So just one big starting point is I think that education is not meant to be simply a transfer of information, a training mechanism for a job that happens between 18 and 22, which then you spend the rest of your life carrying out that training. Instead, education is really to be brought in contact with the real. And one of our problems with encountering the real is that we have all sorts of false beliefs, false stories about ourselves and about the world. So in that sense, 
a Catholic university is, I think, a beautiful place to discover rich ideas and then to share them with Catholic parents, perhaps parents who have kids who go to school, but they themselves weren't able to have that for alums, for people who are right struggling uh, with the faith, for priests who are out there uh, working very hard, sometimes isolated in parishes and all these different elements. So part of the idea is that if we're not, I, I, C.S. Lewis one time said in Mere Christianity, where he said, because his last book is actually a book on the, the last part of Mere Christianity is actually on the Trinity. And he says, why are you wasting people's time? Popular people don't want theology, right? They just want kind of, they just want to feel better. They, you know, just give them some consolation. And he says, well, no, he says, uh, probably what people want is to think properly about something that's worth thinking about. And he also says that anybody in our age today, if they don't have good ideas about God, they have bad ideas about God. And so within that, then the idea is to take a variety of topics, both within theology proper, and to consider those both in terms of how do we discover some of the great heroes. If you want to learn about basketball, right, at some point, you got to learn about Michael Jordan, LeBron James, right, Wilt Chamberlain, these sorts of greats. Well, if you want to learn about Catholicism, which in a way is a truth, a set of truths, you also consider who are some of the great saints. One of our podcasts was on, right, Augustine's Confessions. We've had a podcast talking about Fulton Sheen and the great work he did. We just did a podcast on Joseph Ratzinger, then, or who became Pope Benedict, and then Pope Emeritus Benedict after his death. So all of these different ways, we try to consider how have these truths, how are these proper understandings of what the world properly is and what God is and what man is, how have these been incarnated in people's lives and how can they make a difference in ours? You know, I, I think that's so important because ultimately, I think people who were baptized Catholic, the way the world views Catholicism, it's theory, it's dogma, but ultimately the world does not work without Christ. And you don't have to look far. We say this on the show all the time, the dysfunction of the world outside of the reality of a sacramental life, yeah. the brokenness, please. Yeah, and if I can just say one thing, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I would add just that one of the things I discovered is that I don't work without Christ. Oh, 100%. Right, is that the world in a way, if, if the world is all there is, and I, I can just say this because I saw the world as all there was, and if the world is all there is, how do we really navigate the burden of suffering. And in many ways, I think postmodernism in part is an attempt at saying, no, I will not suffer anymore. I reject the world. The world is full of too much suffering. I have to, if I can't fix it, I don't want to be here. And in a way, I mean, I think there, I think that's of course a false view, uh, but, but it's, but it's rooted in a way in a truth, which is that without God as a, source of the world, and not just God, but a God who is loving and merciful and forgiving, right? When I look at the sunset, I see God who's beautiful and who's beauty and an artist. But when I look at human suffering, then I understand, right, not only why God is beautiful, but why God has to have mercy on us. And then when I really consider human suffering, then I understand that 
why God had to die on a cross and why when he comes to me to get to know me, he comes through suffering and death. So I at least have found for myself, right, that without that the world without God is not enough and God without Jesus is not enough. And with that, though, then I begin to find, and the beautiful thing about, and I think a lot of people, again, don't understand this when they look at Christianity from the outside. I remember hearing, um, anyway, a famous football quarterback uh, who uh, was, you know, who's uh, kind of somewhat of an anti-Christian, but he said, I just can't believe in any religion that says only a very small group of people are going to be saved and everybody else is going to go to hell, unless you believe exactly what I believe. And one of the beautiful things about the teachings of the church is, is yes, ultimately, right, all salvation comes through Jesus Christ. But the beautiful thing about being a Christian is that we don't have to believe that everybody else is totally wrong. Uh, Fulton Sheen even said that if you think about all of the religion, human religions and human philosophies are really man's search for God. And within that, they have little bits of truth, sometimes a lot of truth, sometimes a lot of falsehood. But only in Christianity and, and Judaism first do we have God's search for man. So again, so the sense of recognizing that without Christ, the world is impossible doesn't mean that we're not going to find lots of what the fathers would call seeds of the word, seeds of Christ all over the world. And so I think, again, it gives us in a Catholic sense, a real rich sense, an appreciation for people that are seeking wisdom and also a joy that we have found true wisdom because Ultimately, the wisdom I needed, I couldn't find for myself, right? There is ultimately a kind of humility in discovering that human wisdom will never be enough, right? If we had all the time in the world, we still wouldn't see the world clearly enough. We really need God ultimately to tell us who we are, that we are children of God, right, who lost our identity due to sin and can eventually return home to him. Michael Dauphiné, let me ask you a question. You know, some people might be listening to us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. And if you're just joining us, Michael has a new podcast out recently, The Catholic Theology Show, that's available from Ave Maria University. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, Google, and we would encourage you all to do so. Michael, it seems like we're, you're you're speaking very coherently. You're 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 presenting a coherent whole when you talk about Catholic teaching and what the Church brings to the world. Why the hell are we arguing so much in the Church? Now I want to give you an example of what you, what yeah. I mean by this. Okay, Joe and I don't mind getting in trouble once in a while. Okay, we're a couple of kids from Newark. All right. We have PhDs in common sense on the wall. All right. <laughs> we know enough about the world and our faith to be able to comment on these things. Okay. Joe and I will interview anyone. Now, what I mean by that is very simply this. I'm not going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to have Joe Biden on the show. I, I if, if offered, I'm not going to have someone who goes beyond what we accept as Catholics to try to explain how a Catholic could in a million years be on the, have to hold that position on abortion that he does. All right. And there's many Catholics out there. We're not going to have everybody on the show. Okay. We need to at least agree on, on, on certain things, but Having said that, that still leaves a lot of room for disagreement, it seems. It seems like a lot of people are arguing. It seems like somebody can't say something without, you know, the the, so, the Catholic social media warriors come swooping in, all right, and want to nitpick every single word, okay, um, using words like heresy and, and things like that, okay, um, and just throwing them around. Not that there's not such a thing as heresy, but people throw all sorts of words around, uh, 
And you know what the world does, I think, and this is what I love your comments on, I think they laugh at us. You want me to be Catholic? Like, like, like that type of thing. Um, amongst, let's, let's just say, traditional-minded Catholics, those who hold to the truths of the Catholic faith, all right, and, the, and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, there's so much arguing going on. And, and, I, and I love your comments on that because it doesn't seem like that's going to be very attractive to the world. Yeah, we have in our recent book, uh, Wisdom of the Word, Biblical Answers to Pressing Problems or Pressing Questions About Catholicism. One of the questions is, why do Catholics argue so much? Right. And uh, so and we try to address that question. And I think one of the things I would suggest is by having a Catholic theology show podcast, we try to have conversations about theological issues. Right. One of the things you learn as a kid in America is you don't talk about religion or politics. One of the dangers is then you don't learn to think about them very clearly. And sometimes you don't learn how to discuss them. So part of it is just trying to model a sense of inquiry where we don't have it all figured out. God does. And he's communicated a lot to us, but we really need to work to adjust our minds to reality, right? And to adjust our minds to the reality of the faith. So I really think that that's part of it. And maybe if I may say one thing that I learned, especially in, I, I gave a lot of talks around the book and different things and spoke to different people. And I think one of the differences is that sometimes we we know what like argument can be when it's uh, bitter. And I think we have a sense that we don't want to go there. But what we also forget is, or I think what it's really helpful to create a culture where questions are okay, especially say for young people who might be growing up in a family that's devout, but they don't, they haven't yet kind of had that encounter. And so they have questions. Well, creating a space where they can freely ask those questions and, of course, begin to work towards getting real answers, right? Real questions also often have real answers. You can't just say, I don't understand light. How can it be both a wave and a particle? It must not exist. No, you have to really think what the physicists actually teach about light and what do those models mean and these sorts of elements. So you can have lots of questions about why does the church teach this? Does the church not like these kinds of people? Does the, right? But those are, but if you genuinely create a space where people can ask those questions freely, kind of without shame and without embarrassment and without hostility, then create a space where, hey, let's try to find out what, you know, good questions also deserve good answers, but there often are good answers. And most of the questions that you can ask, people have been asking in the church, for over 2000 years and often they're brilliant answers. So at least I think that's a way of trying to, I think we really need to center the conversation more, not at the peripheries, right? Not the one person in the room who uh, might, uh, or, or just really be struggling because they're really frustrated that people you know, don't think the way they do. Um, but we kind of try to move, you know, not like, I don't mean to say like, it's not a lowest common denominator at all. It's not just finding a center, but it's really letting Jesus be the center. You know, and this goes right back to first Corinthians. Paul was talking about the fact that the Corinthians weren't getting along. So I think we're, remember, we're in good company if we're not getting along. But the goal is we have to see our inability to get along as just one more evidence. We need Jesus Christ. We're not the perfect team. Like, that's not what it means to be a Christian. It's not like if we got together, we could go win the Super Bowl. Right. The beauty of being Christians is that we're just people who know and who have admitted 
that we need God's mercy. That on our own, we would be disasters to ourselves, to the world, to our family, and to God. I, I, I think that's exactly right. I, I sincerely, and again, Michael, I want to make it clear. Joe and I, we're not wishy-washy here at the show. All right, we accept the truths of the faith, and but and when people absolutely, ask questions, we don't shut them down. That's yes. that's our thing. It's like I'm not going to vilify somebody because they might have said something that I think I wish they wouldn't have said, or I think is just kind of like wrong. Um, like you said, they asked a question. Maybe we could charitably answer that question. Nobody's wishy-washy here. Yeah. But man, do we have to stop arguing if we want to win souls for Christ, which is ultimately what we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to be winning a culture war. Yeah. Or we're, we're supposed to be evangelizing souls to come into the church, the beauty of the Catholic faith, the beauty of the Catholic church, the church that Jesus Christ founded. Okay. Um, so we need to ad address those people with the objective truth. But man, if we just keep backbiting and sniping at each other, and if you say that, you're going to hell. I, I, I When I hear that, I, yeah. I revert to when I was a little kid, when I wasn't doing something right, and somebody says, you're going to hell. Yeah, it's true. Hell exists and people go there. Yeah, yeah. But that, if that's the first thing you start with, you, you're not going to get well, many people. And there's a beautiful line in the creed, right, that says that he shall come to judge the living and the dead, right? Yeah. Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose for us and ascended, he will come and judge the living and the dead. And so, Michael, it doesn't say I will come to judge the living yeah. and the dead. I, I thought I, I thought there was an I in there. I, just, I know. <laughs> Michael Dauphine is joining us, uh, Dauphine, excuse me, joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasolo, Joe Rissanello. We're weighing the breach. Now, Michael's podcast is the Catholic Theology Show that's available or presented by Ave Marie University. So you can find it Spotify, uh, Google, Apple, and we would encourage you to do so. Uh, Joe Racinello, where do you want to go? Michael, um, I'll be honest. I mean, as Joe said, you know, we don't mince words on this show. Uh, we've been doing it for two years now on the radio. And I think that's what people are interested in. I'll be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I went to Catholic school, Catholic college, you know, I went to mass, but to be honest with you, the faith didn't really resonate with me. I'm not interested in lukewarm Catholicism. I'll be truthful with you. Yes, I find yes. it nauseating. I really do. Yes. For me, I'm all in or I'm out. Like I always say, if you're going to steal, steal big or don't steal. Like, like if you're going to steal, you steal big. Um, and I'm not interested in Catholicism that way. With that said, you can't beat people over the head either with the truth. You have to say it, though. I always say this to my wife. Christ was clear. He was perfectly clear. And I think we're lacking that in the church on many different levels. And I'll tell you the truth. Our show has had some success because we tell it like it is. I think people are thirsting for that in the culture, particularly young people. Don't tell people like 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 I think there's too much like pastoral tiptoeing around. That doesn't mean you beat people over the head, but you have to say it like it's taught. And this leads to what you were talking about, you and Joe. I think the confusion is, frankly, too many people are interpreting things. Catholicism, I say this all the time on the show, it's painting by numbers. It's all written down. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a PhD or a scholar. Read the catechism. It's written down. You either agree with it or you don't. Talk about the need for that clarity. Because I think when you say it, 
you'd be surprised how people respond to that type of conversation. I also think that the, or I'm, if you go back to the gospels at one time, Jesus is something like, right. The, the children of the world are much more kind of aggressive about handling their affairs than our Christians, you know, something along those lines. I, get and, it. I, I know it. And there's a way that we have to remember that the people that are missionaries of these other views, right? The ones who are, whether or not it's atheism, Marxism, you know, different kinds of approaches are very articulate. They are very clear. They are, they are not, I mean, they, they are trying to present ideas that can kind of seep into people's brains and begin to, you know, why do people hold these views? Well, because they they make a kind of sense. They may not make a sense of the whole, but they make a sense. And I think that's what we exactly need to do when we're talking about the faith, that the faith, we have to present it as ideas that matter, ideas that transform our lives, but it's not merely a feeling. Uh, St. Jose Maria Escriva, uh, one of the great saints of the 20th century, has said, you catch men like you catch fish by their heads. And I think, again, you can't catch people with ideas that are unclear. So the idea ought to be something like that we uh, right, are created in the image and likeness of God, but that we lost that. Right? We lost that through sin, and there's nothing we can do on our own. No human achievement can restore us to right relationship with God and with ourselves and with others. God began to do the, fix that with it through Israel and then in Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, he didn't simply save Jesus. That would have been silly, right? He wanted to save all of us in Jesus. So the church exists really nothing other than the continuation of the mystery of Jesus Christ. So all of the Catholic faith is really rooted in that short little confession that shows up in Romans and in Colossians and in 1 Corinthians, right? Jesus is Lord. If Jesus is Lord, two other people aren't Lord. Number one, I'm not Lord, which is really unfortunate. And number two, basically, especially at that time, Caesar is not Lord, right? The state, the collective. So in that one thing, I'm enthroning not only God, but I'm saying God's son in Jesus Christ is properly Lord, neither me, the individual, nor the collective humanity. And that does mean I need to surrender a lot of my own understandings, my own attempt to manage the world, my own attempt to manage myself, and to recognize that I need God's good direction. Right? And that's what we find in the creed. The true story of who God is, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and what God does as Holy Spirit through his Holy Catholic Church. Right? That Aquinas would say that the creed is a summary of all of Scripture. So all of scripture is true, but it's, that's not, it, but the church summarizes it in the creed. If you believe that you can be baptized, right? Again, the catechism, as you point out, again, clarifies what the church believes, how we receive that belief through the sacraments as a gift, and then how we ought to live morally. And so I think, I think you're right is I think the cl clearer we can be, the clearer we can help people uh, find the kind of meaning and direction and hope that will really navigate them because the suffering of this world will come. 
and wishy-washy, lukewarm faith will not last. It's it's not going to be able to make any sort of sense of, of suffering. I, I mean, it's it. I mean, we could go on for hours yeah, about yeah. that, but I am curious, um, Michael Dauphiné, uh, your show, okay, the Catholic Theology Show. Um, what's the, what is the structure like? Are you going to have on uh, guests, um, you know, people out there, let's say, or people just from the university, people out there, you know, let's say, doing other podcasts? What's the structure of your show? Like, like, what direction are you going in? Yeah. So the the again, the the big goal is to help people understand that thinking more kind of adequately, more faithfully about God, adjusting our thoughts and mind to who God is, right? Um, That that requires time. It requires thinking. It requires conversation. We often learn by conversing with one another, and we often learn by listening to other, overhearing conversations. So we, I try to have a guest whenever possible, and I try to have a conversation in which I and the guest learn and we try to approach some aspect of the truth, right? And so we have a lot of faculty within the university, theologians here. We're wonderful with an internationally renowned uh, theology faculty. We also have a number of people across the university who are deeply integrated and, well, are deeply invested in the integration of faith and reason, whether or not that's in psychology or politics, but they're very much interested in how Catholicism and science, Catholicism and politics, Catholicism and psychology go together. And then we have a lot of uh, outside scholars who come to visit and give talks at the university. Uh, And again, the idea is to really have a rich conversation uh, that opens people up into these discoveries. Uh, one of the, I remember the second podcast, I think that was released, or maybe the, the third, was simply a Dominican who uh, who had recently written his entire uh, dissertation on glory. And, right, what is glory? Should we seek to be glorious? What is, is God glorious? Right? Uh, and we talked about that, and we talked about the glory be. And I had a lot of people who just said, wow, I've never really thought about the glory be. What does it mean? Glory should go to God. But if glory is to God, then also we should try to become glorious, right? Our lives in a way are often, we forget that they're, like we forget that we're, each of us are unrepeatable, right? Um, Irreplaceable, unique creations of God. And that somehow creation will give more glory to God in us if we, just for today, right, stop being a little bit of the knuckleheads we are and try to do something, right, as Mother Teresa would say, beautiful for God. So, but that's just a little example where you take something like the glory be, which is something that people say and probably don't even listen to themselves saying it. And yet all of a sudden it unfolds a whole new way of thinking about uh, the faith. Absolutely. Uh, Michael Dauphiné is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe, we have a we have a time for one quick question because uh, we're coming up to the end of the show. Talk about the need to evangelize Catholic men. I think that's very important. Um, statistics show that when a man in his home is the religious leader of the church, which we're all called to be, priest, prophet, and king, um, in our homes, the likelihood that their children uh, basically follow and practice the faith is very high. Talk about how you're going to go about that. Um, I think that's very important. 
Yeah, we did have a show on the new evangelization, right? I think it was, is the new evangelization getting old? And we talked a little bit about how the need for Catholics to evangelize and to be comfortable understanding their faith. And again, how do other ideas spread? Well, they are spread because I find an idea interesting and I talk to another person about it. Uh, and so this is not unusual, right? Uh, and our faith, in a way, should be the similar idea that we should, it's okay to talk about the ideas that matter to our lives. I also think, in a way, that, you know, definitely men like trying to figure things out. They like thinking about ideas. They like arguing about ideas. Uh, and whether or not it's like we don't, you know, if you ever listen to a bunch of men talking about sports, they have all sorts of opinions and they're analyzing these different things and they're checking the facts and what's going on. And so I think the idea is that the faith actually has a lot of that available. There's tons of ideas, there's tons of facts, there's tons of right goats, the greatest of all time. And so the more we can introduce that these ideas matter, ideas have consequences, right? If we don't have good beliefs about God, we have false beliefs about God. And creating a space in which we can discuss that with one another as men, uh, and of course, you know, as as you know, with with men and women as well. But I think that in and of itself already helps to address. Uh, some of the that kind of desire for coming to understand the world better and trying to say that I can live in a meaningful way in accord with that truth. Of course, imperfectly, but the beauty is, is that Christ has already done it, right? Christ is our hero. Christ is our general. We uh, follow. I, and I think it's important too, just to sum up, Michael Dauphiné, um, I think Fulton Sheen said, you know, there, there's not... You know, there's a lot of people out there who hate the Catholic, what they think the Catholic Church stands for. It's very few people who hate the Catholic Church and actually what, it's, what yes. it teaches. Yes. I'm paraphrasing that. I know I butchered it. Um, and that's, I think, what we need to do. Michael Dauphiné, this has been a great conversation. The Catholic Theology Show, we encourage all out there to please uh, go listen to that podcast available at Apple, Spotify, Google. Again, the Catholic Theology Show presented by Ave Maria University. Michael Dauphiné, you are welcome on this show anytime, brother. Well, thank you so much, Joe and Joe. It was a real pleasure. No, it was our pleasure. And thank you all out there for joining us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.